Pittsburgh Steeler fans, what is going on? This is Jeff Harbin, editor of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, here with you with another episode of the Steelers Burning Question. If by chance you're a first-time viewer or listener, this is a weekly podcast that I do by myself where I simply answer a question that I feel is either pertinent to the Steelers currently or that a lot of people are talking about. So, for instance, there's a lot of people that you know have been talking about Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell recently. Not really going to talk about that too much in regards to, to this today's episode, this burning question. I do want to mention, though, if you're watching live on YouTube and you're in the live chat, I've had a lot of people email me, leave comments on other videos saying, we really like it when you all answer some questions from the live chat. And I want to let you know I'm going to do that at the end of this episode so if you're on the live chat right now once i'm done talking about the burning question you can either comment on the burning question that i ask you can ask a separate question if you'd like if there's no questions then screw you guys i'm going home <laughs> okay essentially so let's get right down to brass tacks and for me the burning question this week and i give a mad props to my co-host on the standard is the standard Lance Williams. He's the one that gave me the idea for this burning question. He said, what derailed the Pittsburgh Steelers 2018 regular season? Or what derailed it more? I think they both had their hand in it, but was it team dysfunction? Or was it turnovers? Team dysfunction or turnovers? And, and on the surface, a lot of people would immediately say turnovers because that is a direct correlation to on-field play. And I get that. I really do. But at the same time, I can definitely see a justification for saying the team dysfunction had their hand in the overall demise of what looked to be a very promising season. And the Steelers had won six games in a row. They're 7-2-1. and one. Everything's looking bright. It looks like they're going to win their third straight division title. It looks like they're definitely going to make the playoffs. At that time, a first-round bye or number one seed was still on the line. They trip and fall on their face several times down the stretch, none more larger than Oakland, and they finish 9-6-1 and one outside the playoffs. They don't win the division. I still always go back to that stat. Since realignment, this is kind of getting a sidebar here, but since realignment, when the AFC North was created and the Browns, Bengals, Ravens, and Steelers were all placed in that division, no team has won the division three years in a row. Not once. There's been several back-to-back -back winners, but never three years in a row. I, I still find that mind-boggling. I kept an eye on that all season because I'm watching the Steelers thinking, okay, 7-2-1, man, they could do it. They could be the first team since the creation of the AFC North, going from the AFC Central to the AFC North. They could be the first team to do it. And they didn't. <laughs> so that holds true. So what derailed it? Well, let's break it down one by one, step by step, brick by brick. Let's start with team dysfunction. In my opinion, this was a bigger factor that a lot of people want to let on. And it's not just what we're talking about right now. And that is Antonio Brown. It's not just Antonio Brown. This is Le'Veon Bell stuff that goes all the way back in the last season. I'm sorry, 2017. In my opinion, this dysfunction started prior to the playoff game in the AFC Divisional Round against the Jacksonville Jaguars when Jeremy Fowler of ESPN just had a very casual conversation with Le'Veon Bell 
in practice leading up to that game where he asked him about what he thought the Steelers might do with a new contract and what he would do if he were franchise tagged again. And Bell straight up said, man, I would retire before I would play under a franchise tag again. And I think at the time, everyone kind of brushed that off, but it it lingered. At least for me, it did. It lingered. Then, Le'Veon Bell doesn't show up for the walkthrough before the game. He still plays. Everyone's wondering what's going on. Why is Tomlin putting up with this behavior? He says that he had an excuse. Doesn't matter. He missed the walkthrough. And so then the offseason begins. And everyone's wondering about what's going to happen. Will the Steelers try to get a deal done with Bell? Doesn't happen. Franchise tag him again. What do we do now? What's the next course of action? Everyone is assuming he's going to do what he did last year. And that's he's going to report before week one. So in training camp, off-season workouts, no one expected Le'Veon Bell to be there because he wasn't there the previous year under the franchise tag. Then all of a sudden, week one rolls around, and he's a no-show. Again, I don't think this impacted the team that much until he didn't show in week one. In week one, when he didn't show up, I think players were pissed. Plain and simple. They were angry because I think... And you can kind of deduct this from what players said and quotes and different bits and pieces here and there and kind of put this puzzle together. I'm pretty sure that Le'Veon Bell had told them, guys, I'll be back. Week one, I'm going to be back. And when he didn't show up, that's it. it's a direct stab in the back, right in the back, knife to the back, and they felt betrayed. But you know what the rule is. You don't talk about another man's money. Well, they did. and so. It kept getting drawn out. Kept getting drawn out. During this whole time, though, there's this underlying current of Antonio Brown stuff. He's skipping workouts and OTAs, and he's making comments about you know how Ben Roethlisberger's not at those workouts either. He's talking about his freedom to the media and the press and how he feels like he's not free. Just odd behavior. Even odd for Antonio Brown. I'll put it that way. And there's all this stuff going on. He's not happy. His numbers aren't great. Got off to a slow start of the season. He's talking about Wi-Fi connection and all this stuff. It's all kind of bubbling up. Steelers are 1-2-1, one, and one, but they get on a streak. As I said earlier, they go win six in a row. Le'Veon Bell, now we're at the week. The point, the point I think, is week seven bye week. Everyone thought, okay, he's going to show up after the bye week. He doesn't show up. Players are still pissed. I think now at this point, they're not pissed that he's not there. They're angry that they're constantly having to answer questions about him not being there. James Conner's playing his tail off. He is making fans say, Le'Veon who? Playing his, playing tremendous football. And so then, it gets to the stage of the season where all of a sudden, Le'Veon Bell has to make a decision. Are you going to show up or are you not going to show up? And he doesn't show up and the players raid his locker and they're taking his shoes and they're taking his shirts and his cleats. A really bad look, a bad look for everyone involved. Bad look for Le'Veon Bell because he passed up an opportunity to play on a team that in my opinion had Super Bowl aspirations, obviously fell short. It's a bad look for his teammates 
to go into a man's locker and steal his stuff and take his stuff, whether they took it or not, it's, it was just a horrible look. Okay, and, then, and throughout all this, there's some uh, ongoing issues with with Antonio Brown that as the season progresses, it gets worse and worse with Antonio Brown, and it's directly related to Ben Roethlisberger. Ben Roethlisberger makes the comments against after the Denver game that Antonio Brown ran the wrong route. He said he would have gone to Juju Smith-Schuster four straight times if he had the opportunity again. And you could tell that Brown did not like those comments at all. And I think that might have been the straw that broke the camel's back, so to speak. So all this stuff goes down. Le'Veon Bell's out. He can't play at this point. And then you get to the point where Antonio Brown in Week 17 just walks out. And everyone always wants to refer to now when they say, oh my gosh, look at what the offense looked like without Antonio Brown in Week 17 against a really bad Bengals defense. I'm pretty sure that the game plan leading up to that game had Antonio Brown in it. And then when he didn't show up after Thursday or Friday, if I got my my timeline correct, things changed really quick. And, and you don't always get time, especially with a rookie like James Washington, to get everyone acclimated to the game plan. I'm not so sure that that would be the default offense for the Steelers if Antonio Brown's not there next year. So all this stuff's going on. It's behind the scenes. And you just had this different feel to it. You know, you look go to the, go to the 2017 season when they had the national anthem issue and Alejandro Villanueva. Even with all those off-field issues going on, and with Le'Veon Bell still at the, before that season having franchise tag stuff going on, it never felt like it was a distraction. But I cannot say the same thing about this team in 2018. I felt that it was a distraction. I felt they combined that with those losses, those key losses where you could point to one play. Typically, and especially early on, it was a Chris Boswell missed kick where people felt that they were good enough to win these games and they weren't winning. And so when you're losing and you have all this stuff going on off the field, it's like the perfect storm. And it just bubbles up to the surface and you had players lashing out, not lashing out verbally at the, at the, at the media, which is something Antonio Brown did earlier in the season in a preseason where he threatened to punch a, a writer from the undefeated who kind of wrote a hit piece on him and his relationships off the field and his social media. Uh, he called Ed Bouchette of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette a racist just because Bouchette suggested he might have been limping off the field after this quote-unquote quad injury that kept him out of almost all of training camp. All this stuff just bubbled to the surface, and players just could, it felt like they couldn't take it anymore. For the first time, with all this drama around the killer bees, you had, I, fe- I can't speak for everyone, but for me, and I'm, I'm the one answering this question right now, this did have an impact on the field. It absolutely had an impact on the field. Le'Veon Bell not being there had an impact on the field. What is it? Was it a great impact that he wasn't there? No, because like I said earlier, James Conner, he balled out. He played tremendous football, a Pro Bowl season. Okay, so I think Antonio Brown, he's got, he had some issues going on, some lingering stuff that eventually escalated to the point where he said, I'm, I'm done. I'm done. So I do think it did have something to do with the play on the field in the regular season. But at the same time, you have the other side of the coin, and that is turnovers. And this is the biggest bugaboo for myself and for my co-host Lance Williams when we talked about this season. Just listen to these numbers, okay? 
we're talking about turnover giveaway takeaway ratio. The Pittsburgh Steelers ranked 28th in the National Football League in the 2018 regular season. Okay, in terms of takeaways, that means you create an interception, you force and, and recover a fumble. They had eight interceptions and seven fumble recoveries for a total of 15. Now let's talk about the giveaways. We're talking about you're giving the ball away. 17 interceptions, nine fumbles lost for a total of 26. That's simple math, folks. Minus 11 turnover differentials. Minus 11. 28th in the National Football League. The best team in the league, the Seattle Seahawks, they were plus 15. But if you just look at the top teams here in terms of turnover differential, tell me what they all have in common. Seattle, plus 15. Houston, plus 13. Chicago, plus 12. LA Rams, plus 11. New England, plus 10. Kansas City, plus 9. New Orleans, plus 8. Cleveland, Denver, Washington, plus 7. And I could go on from there. But those before we got to Cleveland, those top 7 teams, you're talking about teams that almost everyone thought would be legitimate contenders in the playoffs. You look at Dallas was plus 3. Indy was plus 2. You had to go down all the way to the L.A. Chargers. The Baltimore Ravens were actually minus three. They were the only playoff team that had a minus turnover ratio, and that was probably because of Lamar Jackson's fumbling issues. It's tough to say that the dysfunction off the field had a big impact on the play on the field. I do think it, it mattered. Like I said, the team looked distracted on more than one occasion. And from the reports coming out, it's hard to disagree and, and hard not to understand why they would be distracted. But here's the kicker. Turnovers lost games this year, period. And everyone thinks of turnovers, they immediately think of Ben Roethlisberger. Number seven, why? He led the NFL in interceptions, 17th, which is the lowest margin, the lowest mark in a long time, at least. I'll ask Dave Schofield for that stat. But it's the lowest interception total to lead the NFL in a really long time. But still, he led the he led the league in interceptions at 17. And everyone remembers the really bad picks that lost games. And not only lost games, but turned the tide. Think back to the Atlanta game. Early in the season, the Steelers are a, a team that is on the ropes. In my opinion, a must-win game. They drive down the football field in less than two minutes at the end of the half. They get the ball to start the third quarter. They're in, they're in chip shot field goal range. They're looking to put points on the board. Roethlisberger throws a pick. There you go. It's it's just unbelievable how that turned the tide. Now, granted, they ended up winning that game. The Falcons were not a very good team. You look at the Denver game. Spoke about that interception earlier. Uh, just really, really bad turnovers. But it, the thing is, like I said, everyone thinks about Ben Roethlisberger, but he wasn't the only culprit here, folks. Go to week one. The tie to the Cleveland Browns. James Connors fumble. I'm sorry. I know that the conditions weren't ideal. But I'll tell you what. There's those fumbles where you turn the ball over, and that was in their own zone. If the Steelers just punt the ball away there, they probably win the game. Instead, the Browns get new life. I don't want to hear about the Nick Chubb, Sean Davis, punt, recovery, fumble, whatever. The Steelers got hosed in that call, but it wouldn't have mattered if James Conner doesn't fumble the ball in that earlier situation. Go to the Saints game. 
the Steelers were that it was their game to be had. And they were moving down the field in what everyone was calling the most hostile environment in the National Football League against the best team, as everyone was saying in the National Football League. And Juju Smith-Schuster fumbles. And it's just those back-breaking turnovers that seem to be the ongoing trend for as every single matter, if, with every single event on the timeline of dysfunction in the 2018 season, there were turnovers that were marked every single step along the way. Even in wins, there were bad, bad turnovers that just left you scratching your head saying, my gosh, what is going on? So let's let's wrap this thing up here. Which was more important? I do think the two kind of fed off each other. Like I said, it was the perfect storm. It was bad play on the field at really bad times. And it was awful, awful dysfunction off the field. You combine those two, mushroom cloud, so to speak. And that's the, the Steelers 2018 season. But if I had to say that one was more responsible for the dysfunction, not the dysfunction, but more responsible for missing the playoffs, for having a very mediocre season, for really falling off the face of the earth after what looked to be a very promising 7-2-1 record, it's the turnovers. Has to be the turnovers. Because, like I said, those turnovers ended football games. I mean, you could even go to Jacksonville. The turnovers were bad there. And, and there's, in my opinion, uh, you know, if it, Ben Roethlisberger is a Ryan Switzer I don't know if they call defensive holding or pass interference. Everyone remember the end of that game where he threw a pick in the end zone and thankfully Switzer was yanked down. They called it. They got new life. Roethlisberger scrambled in for a touchdown on the next play to win the game. Those careless plays, lack of ball protection by the people running with the football just can not happen. So I think about points of emphasis. Everyone knows what the Steelers' point of emphasis was leading into 2018. Tackling, 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 tackling. That's all you heard from the coaching staff, the general manager, the defensive coordinator, everyone that has a say in the Pittsburgh Steelers. It was all about tackling. And their tackling improved tremendously. I wrote an article for BehindTheSteelCurtain.com a few days ago, and it was all about pro football focus put out their stats for missed tackles. In 2017, the Steelers ranked, I want to say, 28th, maybe even worse, in terms of missed tackles. They improved so much, they ranked 5th in the least amount of missed tackles. So the tackling improved. Was it perfect? Absolutely not. I still have visions of Terrell Edmonds taking horrible angles throughout the season. but. It improved. So I think if there's a point of emphasis offensively going into 2019, it has to be protect the football. Because if you have a defense that's not capable of taking it away at a really, really great clip, you're going to leave yourself vulnerable to just turning it over and coughing it up. So that's something that cannot happen. I say in this burning question, it's not the team dysfunction that derailed the season. The turnovers. And I guess you could say missed field goals would be a turnover because technically they get the ball at the spot. Derailed the season. They were a few field goals away, a few turnovers, interceptions, fumbles away from potentially having a first-round buy in the, in the AFC playoffs. Think about that for a second. Some might say that if you look at 2017, the bounces went their way, and they were therefore in a first round by position 
They ended up losing in the divisional round. I understand that. But maybe that's just the season. Maybe it's just kind of the way the ball bounces. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. But in terms of what derailed 2018, in my opinion, if you're choosing between team dysfunction and you're choosing between turnovers on the field, I don't think there's any way you can say team dysfunction trumps actual play on the field. But I want to know what you think. If you're listening to this in audio form on BehindTheSteelCurtain.com or any platform, feel free to comment. Go to the comment section let us know. If you're live on YouTube, you can let us know in the live chat currently. Or if you're watching this in replay, go to the comment section in there. Let us know what is the answer to this burning question. What do you think? Now, it's at this point where I'll open up questions to anyone that's in the live chat right now that might have a question about anything. It could be about turnovers. It could be about uh, projected players. It could be about the NFL draft. Although I got to be honest, I don't know a lot of prospects currently because I don't watch a lot of college football. And this is just kind of like a precursor to the offseason because we're still going to give you audio content. And I know a lot of fans, they, they follow college football so close. They know all these prospects. It's, that's just not me. I spent too much time on the Steelers. And so I, I learn about these prospects as we go. So like when the combine comes around, like a senior bowl, a couple names pop up. I'm starting to learn. Combine, more pop up. When they start bringing in the players for their visits, that's when we really start getting into the nitty gritty. So with that said, questions let's see if we have any here okay we have one from sans he said do you think that if ben roethlisberger wouldn't get a contract extension that ab would stay seems like this all started as soon as it was announced ben could be getting extended you know what that's a really good question and that's an answer i don't, I don't have an answer to that i don't think anyone does um i don't know what antonio brown is looking for obviously he wants a uh, he wants a change of scenery that's very well known but at the same time, I look at this and think that does he really understand what he's asking for? Because he doesn't control, he's not going to be a free agent unless the Steelers completely release him, which will never happen because then they would be getting, having 20 plus million dollars dead cap space taken up by a player that they're getting nothing for. So anyone that thinks that's going to happen, I think you're foolish. But at the same time, let's say that the Steelers trade him to Buffalo. Or let's say the Steelers trade him to uh I'm trying to think of another team that the Oakland Raiders. Or let's say they trade him to uh the Miami Dolphins. Or you know, you could you could list a number of teams that they could trade him to that A does not have a quarterback the caliber of Ben Roethlisberger. B that he and that quarterback do not have the time spent and the rapport that he and Ben Roethlisberger do and see a team that might not put up with all his crap that he reportedly puts the Steelers through on a yearly basis that they kept quiet for so long. All these people out there on the mainstream media saying the Steelers are doing Antonio Brown wrong. Are you serious? The Steelers covered up how many of these stories and did not let them get out because Antonio Brown was that good. Now, all you know, the, you know what's hitting the fan and all these stories are coming to light. So, would they, would they, would he consider staying? I don't know. I think he just wants out, period. Okay. Uh, vodka drinker. He's saying he's going to give Terrell Edmonds a mulligan for uh, last year. I understand that. You know, there's something about Terrell Edmonds. I don't know. He just doesn't jump off the tape. I watch, rewatch him as every game. And he looked, he looked slow. I didn't like that. Hopefully next year is better. That's all I'll say. 
Uh, Isaac, long-time listener, trade AB for OBJ. No. Oh, my gosh. I know he's laughing here. He wrote, ha, ha, ha. He's joking around. I don't want any part of any more diva receivers. Give me James Washington, who's a farmer. He's literally a farmer. He has no drama in his body. I'll take him and Juju Smith-Schuster any day of the week. Okay, let's see here. Other questions. How did Rudolph compare to Mayfield in college? Uh, <laughs> if I know. Um, well, in terms of Big 12 play, they were they were two of the best quarterbacks in the Big 12. I do know that. Um, Mayfield obviously had a more had a better team. But when you look at numbers, I don't have them in front of me. Uh, maybe that's a, a an article topic that we could write for BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. Um, how did they compare? Rudolph... Most people said it was a better pro prospect in terms of his ability to read defenses, his ability to stay in the pocket, his size, his arm strength. So in terms of comparison, I don't have the stats in front of me, but I do know that Rudolph's numbers were very much right there with Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield had the intangibles that most people coveted, the leadership. But the thing is, that's not a knock on Mason Rudolph. He had every ounce of those same intangibles. I think a lot of people just thought that Rudolph was not ready for the next step just yet. The Steelers took a flyer on him. We'll see if it ever pans out. If it ever pans out. Okay. Um, let's see here. <sighs> oh, we got a, some non-Steeler fans chiming in. I always like it. We have we have a, several listeners and viewers on YouTube that are fans. Like One's a Patriot fan. Um, hey, if they like listening to me talk about the Steelers the entire time, that's fine. Um, yeah, so here we go. Here we got Joseph. He has a question. What's your gut feeling? Is AB in a different uniform next year? Uh, yeah, I mean, my gut feeling is yes. Um, a lot of it will depend on what happens off the field. Uh, in terms of what they get in return, I just don't see any way that this marriage, so to speak, is reconcilable. I don't think that they can get back. I, I just, I don't, I don't think they could come back from that. And players are going to say the right thing. They're going to say they want Antonio Brown. They're going to say that because they want Antonio Brown because he's good. I have a feeling that a lot of players in that locker room, you just listen to the comments, especially leading up to the Super Bowl. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster made some very frank comments. Cam Hayward was another one. I had a feeling that they, they were sick and tired of he and Le'Veon Bell. I mean, sick and tired of him. And I think that they're okay with him being gone. They're going to miss their production. But I think that they're totally fine with them being gone because they're sick of it, period. And I think that's that's something to keep in the back of your mind as, as this thing plays out. Where will he go? Whoever gives him the best offer that's not an AFC contender. So if he's not going to go to a, a division rival, he's not going to go to the Patriots. He's not going to go somewhere like that. Um, if they're going to look for someone like uh, someone like the 49ers would not be a bad choice. Um, but the 49ers have to be willing to give them the compensation that they want. Okay. Uh, they could ship him to Arizona. Let it, let him play with Josh Rosen. Let me know how you like a B then I have an article coming out, hopefully Friday, maybe tomorrow about how anyone that's interested in Antonio Brown, buyer, beware, period. Because there's a lot of stuff that can go wrong with Antonio Brown. All right, so um, here's David, Patriots fan. What do you guys think about trading Brown to the Patriots? Let's say the Pats offer a first-round pick, and it's the best offer you get. I don't think they would do it because the Patriots' first-round pick is the 32nd pick. The Steelers have the 20th pick. 
Um, they would have to give a player, a very good player, and a pick for them to even think about it. And I still don't think they'd make that deal because they wouldn't want Antonio Brown to be the reason. Just like uh, they kind of had that feeling when James Harrison went there. And that was a different scenario. I get that. But you kind of had that feeling that James Harrison, like when he went there, he, the Steelers were like, oh my gosh, we could probably face this guy again. And what if he is the ter- determining factor of a win and a loss? Like what if he gets around the edge and sacks Brothersberger? I mean, that would, it would be devastating. And it didn't happen. But I don't think, I don't think they make that deal no matter what. Um, let's see if we have a couple more questions before we call it a, um, we got a couple more. Here we go. Um, vodka drinker says, Jeff, you're AB. Why would you be doing all the social media drama? It's only hurting him with the other teams looking at acquiring him. That's a good point. But at the same time, is it hurting him or is it hurting the Steelers? Think about this for a second. So he goes on social media and he puts out these. I loved I'll say this now. I loved how he put out a thank you fans video of nothing but highlights of himself. That is so AB. And I love what Mark Cavalli of The Athletic wrote. He said there's a very distinct difference between Antonio Brown and AB. Almost like AB is the persona, the Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, so to speak. And he's that, but that's so AB. You, this guy, if you follow him on Instagram, he has fans coming up to his car window every day. He's signing autographs. He's really good with his fans. You're telling me that you're putting out a video saying, thank you, fans. You couldn't have taken some of your story videos, mashed them up, and shown you interacting with your fans to say thank you to the fans. No, instead, he puts a look at me highlight reel as a thank you to the fans. What? What? But here's the kicker. And get back to your question. I didn't mean a quick sidebar there. But Vodka Drinker, you say, I think this hurts the Steelers because with all this stuff that's going on, Antonio Brown's getting his money no matter what. He's going to get that dead money from the Steelers no matter what. He's under contract. So what he's doing right now is he's hurting the Steelers because people are going to say, well, he's got this domestic violence thing. He's got some off-field behavior. He's now, you know, the social media stuff. We don't know if we want to deal with this. The best offer you're going to get is a second-round pick. No players involved, just a second. That hurts his stock. I don't think he cares about his stock. Now the Steelers can screw him right back and send him to a team like Arizona and say, have fun with this. Have fun with a rookie or second year quarterback. Have fun with the team that has the number one overall draft pick. Why do they have that pick? Cause they sucked last year. And so it's, it's going to be a cat and mouse type thing. It's not all one, it's not all the other, but at the same time, uh, you know, there you go. All right. So, Frank is very upset that I'm answering questions in the live feed that he labels as stupid. So he says, talk about stuff that matters that could fix this team. What needs, what needs to happen to fix this team? Uh, I seriously believe they are three or four players away from being a legitimate Super Bowl contender in 2019. If Antonio Brown leaves, they need to either draft a wide receiver high that can come in and step in on day one and be a dynamic player. That doesn't mean he has to be the same player as Antonio Brown, but he's someone that can impact the way a defense handles the offense. That's one key. They need to get an inside linebacker. John Bostick is not the answer. I don't think LJ Ford's the answer. Free agency might be your best bet there, but they need an inside linebacker, period. That hole that is left by Ryan Chazier is still gaping. They need a cornerback opposite Joe Hayden. If Artie Burns recovers from last season and becomes a 
a good player, then that's great. But you can't bank on that happening. So therefore, you need to get a solid cornerback. And for me, I'm looking at a safety. I, I said this earlier, I'm not sold on Terrell Edmonds. I think Terrell Edmonds would be per, the perfect fit for the role that Morgan Burnett filled out when he wasn't injured last year. He would talk about that nickel, that dime safety that comes in almost like an extra linebacker. I would really like to see them get a more of a ball hawking, more athletic safety to play alongside Sean Davis. I thought Sean Davis had a tremendous season. And um, I think if they can do those things, this team can be dangerous because you look at the backfield, they still have the skill position players. The offensive line still intact. Uh, they could see a free agent change there, but I don't think it's going to impact it that much. Defensive front is stout. I think outside linebacker depth, but not starting is an issue. Um, but other than that, if they can get those four players and if Chris Boswell clearly can find his game again, I think they'll be just fine. Okay, so let's go ahead and uh, find us. We'll have one more here. One more. Um, is there any chance the Steelers get a deal close to what the Raiders got for Cooper? Or did Dallas overpay? That's a good way to end it here in terms of the questions. Um, I think that for me, the fact that that deal was done in the middle of the season was a big deal because the Cowboys needed a receiver. And when you need a receiver, you're, you're sometimes willing to overpay for it. And Amari Cooper paid off. Is he worth what they gave up? I don't think so. Is Antonio Brown better than Amari Cooper? I believe he is. But at the same time, you have to be very careful and precise about off-season trades and in-season trades. Look, the Raiders were gutting their team anyways, and they were they were willing to take whatever they could get. And so when the Dallas Cowboys say, we'll give you, I don't, well, they give you a first-round pick for Amari Cooper, I think they might have given up two. There's no one in this planet that would have said no to that deal because you're rebuilding the team anyways under John Gruden. So will they get a deal like that? I don't think so. Unlike Antonio Brown, Amari Cooper off the field has been pretty much a saint. Um, his production is starting to match the trade a little bit. But at the same time, I think that it's something that seriously could be um, viewed as overpayment, period. So there you go. I thank everyone for listening to the show, watching the show, however you're viewing the, the program. If you're watching live on YouTube, make sure you tell your friends. Uh, make sure you share videos. We appreciate all the support that we get. Um, we do this pretty much for free, so it's just straight-up content for Steeler fans out there that want to hear about Steelers football even in the offseason. So if you don't know, we have a YouTube channel. Go to YouTube, search BTSC Steelers Radio, subscribe, like. Like I said, we appreciate that. Audio platforms, if you're someone that likes to just listen to podcasts, you can go to any of the major podcasting platforms. We're talking Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play, um, Spotify, which is my favorite, just type in Steelers in the search engine, and we will be one of the first options to come up. Look for the Behind the Steel Curtain logo. Subscribe, and you'll get all of our content right there. And as always, BehindTheSteelCurtain.com should be your one-stop shop for Pittsburgh Steelers news and information and features. We've got big boards going up tomorrow for the NFL draft. We have free agent picks, you know, potential players that are out there at every single position going up every other day. So check us out. Eight articles and a minimum a day in the offseason. It's a lot of content for you Steeler fanatics out there. In the meantime, I'll see you next week for another episode of the Steelers Burning Questions.